Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Powerful Conversations with Powerful Women. And I'm delighted to be joined by Tabitha today. Um, this is a rescheduled one, so I'm very, very excited. I've been waiting a long time to speak to Tabitha. So um, all good things are worth waiting for, I say. So I'm going to let Tabitha introduce herself to everyone. Thank you, Tabitha, for joining us. Oh, well, thank you very much. And now there's a lot of expectations to to live, <laughs> live up for there. You know, it better, better be worth the wait. So my name is Tabitha Jane. I um, I suppose I have two, two roles I can share that I'm passionate about. I am the founding director of EarthSelf Community Interest Company. And EarthSelf focuses on helping sustainable business leaders accelerate adoption and optimise impact of sustainable business, obviously, through coaching as nature. And on behalf of Earth, which most people will have no idea what that means, and it's all right, I'm sure we can get into it. Yeah. And then I'm also the chair, um, which is highly entertaining, um, of an organisation called Net Zero Nation, which is a social enterprise that was set up to help mo mass mobilise SMEs on their journey to net zero. Wow. So there's a common theme there of common theme. Um, of uh, sustainability and net zero and looking after Mother Nature. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So is nature something that you've always been interested in? Yeah. And I, I honestly didn't appreciate or understand where my relationship with Earth came from until... I think it was a few years ago and I was caregiving for my granny so that she could stay at home, die with dignity yeah. in her own bed. And as I was caring for my granny, I realised that my love of nature and earth came from her. It wasn't something that we talked about, but it was something that she modelled, something yeah. that she demonstrated. And it had been with me throughout my entire life and set me on this journey um, of working with nature and earth. I started out um, wanting to figure out coaching and how to integrate it together. That's really been the start of the journey that's taken me to where I am just now. And, you know, that that appreciation, I, I have more appreciation for the love and care I have for nature and earth, the older that I get and the more that I realise how this is a way of me, um, I suppose, honouring the the legacy of my, my granny and embodying what she's taught me through how she showed up in the world. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, I think it's really, really interesting how um, even how you picked up that from her even though it's not something that you necessarily did with her it's kind of I really love that that it you know, everyone talks about transgenerational uh, thoughts and behaviors and beliefs but that's something that's really beautiful that she has passed on to you um, in, in that way as well. Yeah, and it's it's you know the 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 data supports this you know where it says it's it, it doesn't matter what we say it's how we model the behaviour and if we yeah. want you know if we want to have a healthy relationship with nature and earth the culture that we grow up in has to model it as well and that's what my granny did to me she would never have understood the word sustainability would have rolled mm. her eyes and thought you're all talking nonsense yeah. but did she live it did she breathe it did she naturally do it was it just her way of life yes and one of the things that was so powerful that I was really privileged to listen 
to my granny, do her life review over months as she prepared for death. And she would consistently talk about key experiences and they were all part of nature. And this ended up weaving into a project that I ran a couple of years ago called Elf, Elf Strength of the Earth, Claire, which my granny's name was Elfrida Herta, which means Elf Strength of the Earth. So you can't make yeah. this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd spontaneously caught her having a conversation with a colleague over in the United States. And we edited that, we turned it into a video and we used it to facilitate and develop an online Earth Connected process to look at how we can deepen our relationship to Earth and virtual settings. And the impact of people watching my granny. And I mean, it, 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 the video was taken a week before she died. I didn't know mm. that at the time. So it was so close. And how she described her relationship and her connection, you know, it's it's just incredible to me to have witnessed other people's responses to this mm. as well as see how she's able to to transmit that connection beyond death into other people and inspire them to remember their connection with their grandparents and their own connection with the earth as well yeah that's that's really really profound actually and what 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 um i'm curious about then is how was her relationship with nature and earth different from today's generations, do you think? Um, well, see, my, my granny was German. She grew up um, at a time before, during, after the Second World War. And her father and his grandparents and parents before him were actually farmers. So mm. she, she came from a generation of farmers, who'd owned land, worked the land, worked it, um, grew their own food, was largely self-sufficient. So this had been ingrained into her. And then obviously, with the challenges of what happened during the Second World War, you had to make do. So I, I remember the story of my granddad telling everybody how he went out. My granny took flower sacks and she turned them into a suit for him. And he wow. went out and wandered around and everybody was like, my God, that's an incredible suit. Nobody knew it was made from flower sacks, you know, and she just knew how to do it. She knew how to sew. She knew how to cook. Mm. She knew how to grow food. There was just this level of self-sufficiency where I think we've lost a lot of that as, yeah. you know, our capacity for convenience um, has yeah. emerged, you know, that that understanding that every time we use a resource, it has to come from somewhere and we have to value and appreciate that resource, knowing that it might not always be there. Yeah, and I, I think the um, that I feel like the instinct has, has been taken away from us as well. I think things have got very, you know, I guess sort of post-industrialization, all the, the mechanical processes and methods that you have to do everything has made everything um we, you don't have to um, it's the product is is just there but those generations had you know it was that knowledge was just inside them because it it's just sort of passed down and i have this sense that they were just so much more in tune with nature and the impact of nature and we've made it slightly too scientific these days potentially um God, there's so much there that I could unpack. Um, I'm going to start with the scientific aspect. And I think it's really interesting because the research on um, 
nature connectedness and nature connection. So I I I also have an academic hat that I like to yeah. wear at times and do do research and prefer an evidence base. It's shown that when we actually look at developing that connection with nature, understanding mm. the scientific knowledge, the all the the data and the information that we like to categorize doesn't actually create a connection to nature and earth. So mm. you can be fundamentally disconnected from that experience of feeling part of the natural world, feeling part of Earth, even as you're talking about it all. And, you know, when you go to net zero, I mean, if you think about it, it's a very dry language, net zero, carbon neutral, carbon emissions. And there's all this language that I call it dead language. It doesn't it doesn't inspire life and people find it confusing and it's all written into legislation and compliance. So you have to spend all this time demystifying it where fundamentally, if you bring it back and, you know, you don't get caught up in the buzzwords and all the the smoke and mirrors around sustainability. It's simply how do we make sure that we respect and utilize the resources that we have in a way that helps fulfill yeah. what is the earth's purpose of sustaining life on earth for all life instead of just a select few yeah exactly and that that reminds me of um one of the the first conversations um i did on here was with um um cressy from alvis and cressy and she was mm-hmm. talking about the the farm that they've bought and how the the land um the earth had nothing in it it was just completely devoid of everything and how over a process very organic process that they use with like a specially brewed sort of tea they were able to bring life back um and regenerate that into you know really rich uh, soil that they can now plant a vineyard on because that's the type of soil that it that it and the, the you know the orientation of it etc and i just think it's um Nature is is so powerful, and we underestimate that it its power and how much um, if we let things um, be how they sort themselves out as well, rather than just constantly trying to interfere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the methodology, or the, the the not the methodology, the language that we have. This is a fragile planet. We need to save the planet doesn't really do it justice because it's like this is you know if, if, if we talk about earth this is a, a a living ecosystem that it's existed and sustained life for 3.8 billion years when i put it into business terms mm. the wwf did a study which estimates that each year Earth provides 125 million US dollars in ecosystem services to humanity. It's like no other business can compare with wow. that. In ter- yeah. yeah, exactly. And we're thinking, you know, and, and, and it's that mindset of we humans have all the answers. We know what we're doing. Never mind, we're the youngest of the species and we still don't even really understand how to fit into the ecosystem around us, but we can solve the problems. And it's like, no. Let's reverse mm. this. There is yeah. something here that has far more wisdom than we can ever understand yeah. at this precise moment. Let's tap into that, learn from that for ourselves, for our businesses, and for all life. Yeah, that ego's got in the way, hasn't it, for humanity, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> yes, yeah. it has. Yeah. So how how is it, how do how do the services that you offer help um because you said it's about small businesses um how do you how does that help them what does it look like if people were to come to you for your help 
Yeah. So there's two sides to Earth self. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about net zero nation and then lead into Earth self services because there is a continuum, as you said, there's mm. a connection. So most SMEs, when they start out, they're starting out because of legislation. They want to grow their business. They don't really understand sustainability. And net zero is becoming the space to play in at this precise moment, representing that opportunity of starting the journey to get your credible carbon accounts. And that's what Net Zero Nation is all about. How do we mass mobilise SMEs? Because in Scotland alone, we account for 42% of the carbon emissions. But most businesses are SMEs, yet we have a narrative that's dominated by governments, that's dominated by big corporates. What's the power and potential if we bring all SMEs together and give them a voice? Yeah. So with that starting point for net zero there and getting the carbon accounts, EarthSelf kind of sits on a different space whereby you kind of need to have your carbon accounts before you're going to want to come and work with EarthSelf. There is very much a inner transformational journey that goes on if you're actually wanting to accelerate adoption and optimise impact of sustainable business. And we do only work with those people who are committed towards yeah. um, sustaining life on earth. We can help you develop as a team, but it's the internal bit and the external bit that kind, kind of comes yeah. together. And I know that that sounds a little bit vague, but what, what I mean is if we can learn from earth as the biggest business around, then we need to know how to connect, how to deepen that relationship, how to get the insights and how to translate the insights that we receive into practical business solutions. Yeah. And that's fundamentally what EarthSelf does in one side. And then at the other side, EarthSelf also trains coaches in its methodology. And that's what I mean by coaching as nature and on behalf of Earth. Um, the more people that I worked with as I started out in coaching, the more people were like, this is really good. We want to know how to do the same. So I ended up developing that side as well. So I sit probably in both both spaces within EarthSelf. So people come to me because they're like, I want to help other people, other businesses, deepen their connection to, to Earth, become part of this change that's happening, tap into um well, whatever language people want to use, because there's many different ways, how can I help them as a coach and set up my own business? Or how can I actually be an organization that can work with you to get the impact and the results yeah. that we're looking for? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it, it feels like that. I mean, an enormous job, um, an enormous, that's going to keep you busy for eternity. Yeah, and I think that was the intention because, I liked the science and I realized that I was really good at it. Um, and I got an autism diagnosis last year, which made a lot of sense where my thinking was, this is ahead of the curve. I can see the way that the business trends are going. Mm -hmm. I'm good at the research. If I can develop the methodology and the framework, then that means yeah. that other people who are interested in this space are able to utilize that. Together, we can come together create an ecosystem and help accelerate the transformation that needs to happen because we need to yeah. transform individually and collectively businesses need to really understand what it means to be able to function as part of the earth if they want to survive be you know relevant within yeah. the future and it's going to take lots of us to do this so I 
I had that plan, which is slowly kind of taking place. You know, I've yeah. trained coaches. I get more and more credibility. And it's it's a case of how do we come together and yeah. recognise that we are all in this together. Let's work together. Let's find a way of um, tapping into our innate potential and yeah. all in the name of the greater good, really. Yeah, it feels like there's a definite, I don't know if it's just because I have these conversations with, with women, but there's um, a def, definite theme that comes out from my conversations um, about collaboration rather than competition in that when we're all in it together, that's when the power comes um, and that we can make big changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's really interesting. Mm. It is. It it is interesting. And interestingly enough, there's probably a bit of evidence that suggests this. And I'm just thinking about this because there was a piece of research that showed that when women experienced stress, how they generally tended to cope with stress more effectively was that they tended to befriend people and look after people. So we're in a crisis moment. Stress levels are up. And the default stress response for women is to come together and befriend, you know, and figure out collaboration. And yes, we can make a stereotype. Women are good at that. And Net Zero Nation is a male-dominated organisation. I am probably one of two women in the organisation at this precise moment. And the men there are all committed to collaboration as well. So it's yeah. it's how do we recognise that yeah. while it may be a, a strength of women, there's also men that want to come along and join in. And together, yeah. that's what's going to drive the change. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, it's about, um, you know, women stepping into their feminine power, but also, um, you know, in in a world that has been traditionally male driven, but also, um, you know, there's so much benefit men get when they step into their feminine power as well. Um, mm-hmm. because you know as you using that example of, of women in stress coming together with other women um, how many men would benefit um, from, from doing that more with with their own um, with their own friends which I don't sense that they do that easily obviously some do but um, mm. yeah yeah and that, I think that's part of the cultural conditioning, isn't it? We've got yeah. this cultural conditioning. And I love it because one of the coaches that I've trained, his vision is to have men's circles out in the woods inside every organisation. And I'm like, can you imagine? You know, we yeah, talk wow. about women's spaces. And as we step into male-dominated spaces, we need to remember we need women-only spaces. We need men-only yeah. spaces. There's work that we need to do separately. And there's work that we need to do together. And yeah. when we have both, yeah then when we come together it can be far more powerful yeah no I completely agree I love that so what um for and I uh, take an individual because I think because you said about working uh, individuals have to do the work themselves as well what would be a good first step for somebody to take if they wanted to reconnect with nature or sustainability Well, the starting point is simply noticing nature. You have to become aware of nature on an individual level. And what this can mean is if you're the type of person that goes out for a walk and you spend all the time on your headphones, you know, looking at your phone or you're speaking to somebody and you're having a conversation, you're not present to the environment around you. And it can take, according to some of the data, it can take up to about 90 minutes for our brains to start changing simply from walking in a natural environment. When yeah. we start consciously focusing attention on nature, 
that shifts and we start receiving the benefits of a connection with nature a lot quicker. Um, yeah. Even up to, you know, a minute of simply looking at nature can actually help reset yeah. the brain. So for anybody, it's look at your existing practice. How are you engaging with the natural world already? And what do you need to do to, to increase it? And there's an important point because sometimes people can think that this means, oh, you need to go out and you need to do long walks and whatever else. And when I've worked with women in the past who've had health issues, a lot of them have ended up feeling guilty because they're mm. like, oh, I didn't manage to get out today. It's not just about going outside. It's about bringing nature into the house. Do you have pot plants? Do you orientate yourself where you've got a natural view? Do you have a picture of nature on your wall? Do you even have yeah. nature as a screensaver on yeah. your phone? So you're creating all these small reminders that are saying, notice nature, notice nature, notice nature. And then you're allowing nature to do what it does best. Because the minute that you pay attention to it, you're going to catch something that makes you go, wow, and creates yeah. that sense of awe and that beauty that draws you deeper into that connection yeah. then you can start thinking about the meaning that you might get from that experience the emotions that it creates and then as a result naturally you're going to start thinking differently about how you engage with the natural world anyway yeah and I, I have to show you because talking about going for walks in nature I found something on my walk this morning that if I hadn't been paying attention I wouldn't have seen Ooh, oh, wow beautiful jay feather and um i did a meditation on, on having found it um as well which i share on my channel but that is a feather that is of all the feathers on a jay bird there are very few of those um and it was actually put it was actually lying this way up so you couldn't see the blue and i just mm. got a little glimpse of the blue and i was like oh my goodness it's a, that's a second time in my life i found one and that gave me a lot of pause for thought on slowing down, being present, looking at what nature provides about beauty being only surface deep. But it's, you know, it's, it's you know, that there's a whole ton of messages you can get just from finding one jay feather. And I just yes. think it's, it's really, really beautiful. And I, I did have my headphones on, I will admit, but I am... Um, I saw this and I stopped and I picked it up. And what a great lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I love about you sharing that story, Claire, is that you're showing the example of it. Even if you've got your headphones on, you yeah. know, you notice, you stop, you see it. You've got the wow factor. And there's yeah. the what's it teaching me about slowing down? What's it teaching me about what it's saying? But also jaybirds are known for optimism, enthusiasm, positive opportunities in business. You know, if you look into symbolism, if that's your thing, you can start tapping in and go, great. So what can I take from this that can be yeah. helpful for me where I am today? I love that because I hadn't hadn't quite had the time yet to look up. So I knew there was going to be some symbolism of a jaybird. So there we go. Thank you for that. No, oh, you're welcome. There's, there's yeah. symbolism, symbolism for anything, and we can we can make up symbolism. It's not prescriptive, you know. But it's like, what 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 does this symbolise for me in this moment? Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, I've been um, starting to explore the, the the moon phases, for example, just because it's something that I do feel an energy that that comes from from the moon. And I think um, even if you don't believe in that, having a a a cycle 
that at the start of the cycle, you can use the new moon to set an intention. And when you get to the full moon, you can let go of anything that's been holding you back and then start the cycle all again and have a process. Whether you believe in any energy um, that the moon has, it's a process that allows you to, to let go and to move forward. And I just think that's, it's, uh, that's a beautiful example of a structure that nature provided us and mm -hmm. that we make we can make something of if we choose to. Yeah, well, this is it. And you can go from moon phases to seasonal cycles, from day exactly. to night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of nature exists in cycles. And that's, I think, the most powerful lesson, you yeah. know, and we've we've been talking about the importance of masculine and feminine. Even that's yeah. a cycle. Yes. You know, how do you, how do we as women use the masculine energy to go out and get the results that we want and then be able to come back into that state of being receptive and more feminine and vice versa? How do men do the same so that yeah. we're in in this dance of natural rhythms and flows throughout the whole time? And what I love, you know, you've used the example of the moon and this is why I love the natural world it's so easy to see like physical yeah. representations of this you know I mean masculine and feminine cycles are vague and you know it's hard to understand as we can see with some of the yeah. culture wars that are happening at this precise moment we can see it out in the natural world and it yeah. makes it easier to go ah I understand this now yeah yeah exactly and even the you know the one of the symbols that i really like is the the yin and yang symbol because you've got that masculine and feminine feminine and the the tiny bit of masculine in the feminine and vice versa and having that that perfect beautiful balance and and all of these things have to coexist you can't mm -hmm. have night without day you can't have light without dark you can't have hot without cold all of these all of these things belong together and 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 it's about finding a way to strike a balance that mm -hmm. works and accepting that, that that's, there are times when that balance changes yes. um, and feeling it and going with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And isn't it incredible that we knew this way once and yes. we've ended up becoming rigid and <laughs> inflexible and thinking that we can conquer and control and yeah. um, manage everything um, Whereas, you know, there's so much wisdom from thousands of years ago, um, yeah. longer than thousands of years sharing this, you know. And I mean, I, I love how you mentioned the the yin and the yang, you know, because the whole Tao Te Ching and Taoism yeah. is so nature inspired when yeah. you go and you read it and hear what or listen to what, read, listen, whatever to it. It's just like, wow, they they knew this stuff. How, yeah. did, how did we lose it? Yeah. No, exactly, exactly, and it and it probably yeah. I mean, it goes back ever since. I mean, I suspect there's those stories in like caveman drawings and and you know uh, how far back. Not my area of expertise, but I am fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm I'm conscious that we've been talking for um, nearly half an hour, and um, I could probably talk for hours about these sorts of subjects, as you can probably tell. Um, but just to to wrap up, is there a, a motto that you live by that um, you could share? Ooh, a motto. I would say there's three principles that I work with. Okay. Um, one, know the boundaries, because everything in the Earth's ecosystem has an agreement with everything else. The tree does not decide to be the river one day and say, hey, I'm going to be a tree. So know the boundaries between what's <laughs> yours, what's other people. 
make yeah. sure you take time to reflect with earth to allow that process of um the earth wisdom kind of coming in and then seize the opportunity that's in front of you yeah love it that's wonderful thank you and if people want to know more about what you do to get in touch i'll put your links in the in the notes but um what's the best way to get in touch with you the best way to get in touch is to go to www.earthself.org and click on i think there's a contact bit and you can get in touch fab that's great well, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I know that um, anyone listening is going to really enjoy the conversation because I know I've really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you, Claire. My absolute pleasure. And I'm sure we will talk again.